0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Faith Family Fellowship. If you would stand with us, let's lift up our voices. Let's sing to the Lord, praise his name, Uh, because he is worthy. Amen? Amen. The power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the king of glory, the king above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy fire, and leaves us breathless in the wonder, the king of glory. I'm hockey this is amazing grace Yeah.
1: Pastor Matthew will come and do the welcome and they are away at youth camp this weekend so you want to be in prayer for uh, about 40 folks that are up there at uh, Shaco Springs and uh, and just ask that the Lord would would speak to their hearts in a very special way while they're away from all the gadgets and stuff and God is speaking to their hearts. I want to read from First Thessalonians 5 this morning when it says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of the light, children of the day. We're not of the night, we're of the darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So as we go to the Lord in prayer, I want us to, uh, we'll be talking about uh, uh, when is it time to go home today is the title of the message. We'll be talking about. God's promise to come and take us back. And what kind of people should we be while we are living this life? And he answers that question for us. Uh, So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we pray for our youth. Uh, And Father, we do want to come thanking you that we have great and precious promises. That Lord, this, uh, this world is a temporary place for us, but you have promised that you will come again and And you will take us to be with you in a place called heaven. It's a place where Christ is fully the center of all of our attention. We come this morning to to worship you and yet we realize there are still things that are pulling at us. Things that are on our hearts and minds. And so we ask that in the moment that we have together today that you would help us to fix our eyes on The author and finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we also pray for our youth while they're away at camp. This is a a special time for them to be away with many distractions. And I pray, Father, that it would speak to their hearts, that the Holy Spirit of God would illumine their understanding. And while the world is saying peace, we who know Christ are experiencing conflict because of the trials and the troubles of this world. And and so, Lord, we ask for your help. Help us to be anticipating your soon return and then, Lord, to be living holy and blameless lives as you've called us to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let me just remind you very quickly of a uh, Q&A. About the sale of a piece of our property, it'll be immediately after the service in the choir room. Uh, I think the air conditioners broke in there, so uh, it might motivate you to sell the land so we can buy a new air conditioner for in there. I'm, I, we'll we'll see how it turns out. Maybe it'll cool down by the time we get in there. And next Sunday uh, we'll be voting on that at the end of the service. Uh, it is Father's Day, but it'll take us just a short time to do that. And uh, there's also a parent meeting coming up uh, on the 27th at 5 o'clock. And you'll want to be there for parents and really anyone interested in our children's ministry. And the last thing I want to say to you is uh, we'll be sharing in the Lord's Supper. If you did not pick up your little cup, your prepared cup that's in the back, when we stand, uh, take a moment and go back there and pick that up so you can celebrate in our communion in a few moments, okay? Let's stand together and continue to worship.
0: Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. His mercy is more What love could remember No wrongs we have done Omniscient, all-knowing He counts not their sum thrown into a sea without bottom or shore, our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Home. Here comes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins they are many. His mercy is more. Riches of kindness He lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood beneath a debt we could never afford. Our sins they are many. His mercy is more. His mercy is more, stronger than darkness. New every morn, our sins and are many. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. more. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter. My all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. His body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, from the grave he rose again. And as he stayed, For I am His and He is mine Bought with the precious blood First cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny. No power of him no scheme of man can ever pluck me from His hand till He returns or calls me home. Of Christ has stand
1: Some some wonderful truths of God's word this morning, and uh, I hope your heart is encouraged in doing so. I did meet several of you this morning who are uh, new to Faith families This may be your first time here. There's a little registration card there right in front of you uh, in the rack. If you would take just a moment and uh, let us have an opportunity to say thank you for being here, uh, we're still not passing the offering plate yet. Uh, there is a basket there and over here, so as you leave, if you just drop it in uh, when you leave, we would appreciate it very much. Uh, we are studying through uh, Second Peter, and we're getting gl- down to the end. Uh, I was beginning to wonder if we would ever make it. I was hoping the Lord would return before I got to the section on the Lord's return, and it may be that it happens even now. And that's what it's about. The title I, I've given to it is, when will we get home? You know you've had a good vacation when you're ready to go home, right? I mean, it's not good. You, you, you know, if you've stayed a week and you go, I wish we'd stay another week, stay another week. I give you permission to do that. You just see how your boss handles the fact that I gave you permission, okay? But seriously, you're really not ready to come back until you go, Wow, well, I'm ready to get back home. Well there is a heart cry in the life of a believer that says, "Lord, there's a longing to be with you. There's a longing to be in the presence of the Lord." And so this text that we're looking at this morning is found in 2 Peter chapter 3 and its verses 8 through 13. And then Lord willing next Sunday we we'll, uh, we'll uh, do that last section in 2 Peter. Notice what it says. But do not overlook this one fact. Catch that. It's a fact. Don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And since all these things are thus to be dissolved, here's the question. What sort of people ought you to be Would you again join me in a word of prayer? And Father, as we do bow our lives before you, we thank you that you are our God and our Savior. You created us, and though we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, you have laid on him, the Lord Jesus Christ, all of our iniquity. And that whoever would come to you by faith with a repentant heart, would have this great and precious promise to know that whether we die in this life, we'll be resurrected to a new heaven and a new earth, or if we are alive at the coming of the Lord, we will be received unto you. And so, Father, the things that we do not know, we ask you today to teach us. And what we are not, knowing that we are less than, we ask you to make us by your grace. And the things that we do not have, we look to your saving hand to give to us today. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. I don't know if you ever watch uh, YouTube videos, but uh, it's kind of a bad habit I have sometimes before I go to bed. I want to look at them, and one of my favorite uh, type of video to look at is when uh, uh, soldiers are returning home, and they've been gone a long time, and either they surprise their children while they're at school, or, you know, maybe they... Uh, they come in with the cheerleaders at the uh, pep rally, or uh, or when they return home and their dog sees them for the first time in a, a year. Have you ever seen some of those? They're they're really fun. They they really bring a good feeling inside of you, and there is such great joy. It, it amazes me sometimes how how crazy an animal can act. After having been away from their owner for, for a year. They, they go absolutely crazy. And when I begin to think about those moving moments. How much more should there be the great anticipation. On the heart of every single follower of Jesus Christ. That our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would come. And he would come back to this earth. And put an end to the evil. And to the wickedness. To the plight of sin. That not only covers our nation, but covers literally the whole of the earth. And he would make all the wrongs right. Everything that is unjust will be made just when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord returns. And uh, there, there should be that, uh, that expectation. I think the early church, this first generation church, had that kind of expectation. Now, it would seem obvious when uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth uh, in First Corinthians 15. He says, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound. There, is this, there was a, among them this expectation. Jesus, as you have seen him go into heaven, will return in like manner. And so there was that early church that expected that, and yet He did not come in their day. But God has left it such that that's the way He wants us to be. But remember, we're writing here uh, in the context of false teachers. One of the things that false teachers were doing is they were coming along and saying, Jesus said He was going to come back, but guess what? He hasn't come back. I don't see Him. I don't even think that he actually came in the first place. And if that be the case in the early church, how much more now that we're 2,000 years post-resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ? There are those who are saying, where is the coming of the Lord? And so I don't want you to be discouraged or dismayed or doubting because he hasn't returned. The scripture here tells us how we should view this. And so i want going to just pull out six statements that are in this passage. And it's actually uh, one for each verse that is here. Number one, I would like for you to see that God does not see time as we see time. Now, you and I see time only in a linear way and in a very finite way. Uh, I uh, was talking with uh, Miss Frances back there. You know, a couple weeks ago we sang uh, Happy Birthday to her because she turned 99. And uh, I asked her a moment ago, I said, Now, are you the oldest over at uh, Westminster Village? And she said, Oh, no, I'm not the oldest over there. Really? Okay. That, that, you know, when we you and I look at 99 years of age, what do we tend to think? That's a long time. And yet, when you begin to look at life from God's point of view, God looks at it from the viewpoint of eternity. And what He reminds us is, in this verse, uh, it says uh, in verse 8, Understand that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Here we are just two days after the ascension of Jesus Christ. Okay? Okay? When you and I begin to hear, well, where is this coming? Well, from God's point of view, from the Father's point of view, it could be seen only as two days. Actually, this is a a metaphor, and He's trying just to get us to see that with God, time is different. He looks at it eternally. Uh, This is an Old Testament truth as well. In Psalm 90 and verse 4, it says, "...for a thousand years in your sight, Lord..." are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. So you and I have a hard time thinking in terms of the way God thinks. God could have created the world in a second. He didn't have to create it in seven days, did he? But God chose to do that according to God's great wisdom. But what what more effort would it have taken God to speak the world into being in just a moment? And so God does things the way He does according to His great wisdom. You see, he, there was an original call for, from the people of God in bondage in Egypt when uh, Moses was born. And uh, God could have delivered uh, Israel out of Egypt in just a day. And yet it took more than 80 years and actually 120 years before they went into the promised land. You see, with God, time does, He doesn't ask us to look at our calendar. What He is asking you and I to do is to look at His calendar and to know what God's up to is according to His timetable. It was in the fullness of time that Jesus was born, and He will come in the time when the Father says, It is time for, uh, time as you and I know it, to end and a new beginning to take place. But secondly, in verse 9, God is patient to give opportunity for repentance. So why is God waiting? The Verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise in the way that we count slowness. Not taking a long time for God, but God in waiting, notice what He says, is patient toward you, not willing that any should perish, but it all should come to what? Repentance. Now, you know what that word means. It's not a, it's not a word you will hear on the uh, news program at uh, 5.30 in the evening. It's a, it's a Bible word. It literally means to change your mind. It's changing your mind and heading into a different direction. It's. I was headed this way and I turn and I go that way. Becoming a follower of Jesus Christ requires us to repent. Jesus said that himself. He said, except you repent, you will perish. And so God tells us, as he did through the Apostle Paul when he was talking to the church at Ephesus or the elders at Ephesus, he said this is what's required. Repentance toward God. You're doing life your own way and you repent and turn toward God and place faith in in the Lord Jesus Christ that's the essence of what it takes to become a follower of Jesus to repent toward God turning away from sin and self and place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and so he says he's being patient that, that we may come to repentance toward God now I'm just going to tell you uh, there, there are different interpretations by the way of what this verse is actually referring to when he says, uh, wishing that uh, any should, uh, not, not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm going to do just a quick grammar lesson, okay? In, in the Greek uh, text, w- when you see these uh, three words and you see that they're all the same case, number, and gender, you know what it says? It says they're all in agreement with one another. Now, what are you talking about? Look at, look at the word you when it says, is patient toward you who's the you there it's the believers that Peter is writing to it's the followers of Christ that he is writing to here and he says to you not wishing that any of you is what he's saying any of you who are his children any of you are God's children but that all of you should come to repentance and you say, well, why, should, why are you pointing that out? Because I really believe that's clearly what this text is teaching. And you wouldn't want me to teach you something that's contrary to the Scripture, would you? Okay, I don't think you would. So, so this is not the verse that says God loves the world. Okay? We find that over in John chapter 3 and verse 16. This is the verse that God is really telling us I'm waiting and I'm being patient and I'm showing my kindness to you who are my children. So that you will come to recognize I've called you to live, as we're going to see in just a moment, lives that are holy and blameless. And you need to repent in the same way that you did when you became a follower of Jesus Christ. Because I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of the dust of the world on my body. You know, Jesus said uh, uh, as he was praying to the Father in John chapter 17, Father, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, because if you had to take them out of the world, what would you have to do? You'd have to kill them. But I pray for those while they're in the world that you would keep them from the contamination of the world. Do you get contaminated? Sure, you do as a follower of Christ. And what do you need when you get contaminated? You need to be cleansed. Uh, we're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper was instituted in that upper room the evening before Jesus the evening Jesus was uh, betrayed, and the evening before He was crucified. And you remember Simon Peter? Uh, when Jesus came to wash the feet of the disciples, remember what Simon Peter's response was? (laughs) You're not washing my feet. (laughs) There's no way you're going to wash my feet. And you remember Jesus' response to Peter? And and I really want you to see this as we take of the Lord's table, okay? He says, uh, Jesus said to Peter, if if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part with me. And, And Jesus said these words to Peter. He said to Peter, "If you've had a bath, you don't need another bath. You only need your feet washed. You and I have to put it in the context of the day when they walked through the streets of Jerusalem, they weren't paved. They didn't have cars to ride around in. They walked through the streets of Jerusalem, and the sewage often ran along the sides of the road they had." sandals on their feet and when they would walk through the streets and come into your home. Some of you, I go to your house and when I get to the door, you don't ask me but I look down and I say, you don't have shoes on. And, you know what that, and I see a pile of shoes right beside the door. You know what that says to me? Take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. That's kind of the idea. Jesus came around and He said to them, you have been out in the world, you're dirty, I'm going to clean your feet. And coming to the Lord's table is a reminder to us as children of God that we need to repent of our sin, of our worldliness, of our wrong thinking, and come and return to the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our being. And so that's part of what we do when we take of the Lord's table. You see, God gives us opportunity for returning unto the Lord. Romans 2.4 reminds us of a warning. Do you presume on the riches of His kindness? Do you presume on His forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? The Lord didn't come yesterday. To put an end to this world as you and I know it. And his delay is there for what reason? To show you and I kindness. Loving kindness. Patience. Forbearance. For we as his children to to continue to return back unto the Lord. Oh, I think we're living in a day when so many of the saints of God are discouraged and disheartened. Uh, This week the uh, Southern Baptist Convention is meeting in Nashville, Tennessee and And the critical race theory is at the very core of the debate that is going on. And I realize many of you don't know what the critical race theory is or intersectionality. And if you don't, may God bless you. Okay? May God bless you greatly. But it it is an attempt to to try to solve a problem of racism that only seems to exacerbate racism. Racism. It only seen, it's only more confusing. It's the it's worldly attempt. It's the world's attempt to try to solve a spiritual problem. And a spiritual problem can only be solved by the Holy Spirit of God through His Word and the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way it can be solved. And they're getting ready to go up there and apparently have a little, uh, um, maybe a a wrestling match. I don't know if they're going to do kickboxing while they're up there or what's getting ready to happen. But it's disheartening. Because when God's people come together, we ought to be coming together in gentleness and kindness and love. And my prayer is that there would be repentance and humility and brokenness. And that we would present to an unbelieving world that... uh, you know, while we, while we don't agree, uh, we believe that there is a Savior who has the answer. So, His loving kindness. Number three in verse 10, and I've got to move on, is, is that the return of the Lord is sudden, severe, and revealing. It is sudden, severe, and revealing. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. It's sudden. It is like a thief. Uh, You don't know when he's going to come. And that's why we're encouraged to watch and to be awake and to be aware. You remember Jesus gave us the parable of the ten virgins and they all had their lamps. And uh, five of those virgins that he refers to would trim their lamps. It's not a concept we're uh, greatly familiar with because unless Hurricane Sally comes back and visit us, you probably won't light a lantern. Uh, but when we were at electricity, uh, you know, we weren't prepared, okay? (laughs) I know all of you were, but we weren't. We were trying to find different ways to light our house up. And uh, in doing so, when you have an oil lamp, you have to trim the wick so that it burns brightly. And that's what he was telling them. Five did that. Five neglected it. And those five that neglected the trimming of their lamp also ran out of oil. And they got to thinking, well, maybe the the Lord's going to return. And so those five who hadn't bought their supply of oil, they said, we're going to go buy it. And while they were gone, the Lord returned. You remember that. And it's 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 a reminder to us that we need to live in a state of constant awareness that there is a God. He hasn't. He ha- he's not an absentee landlord. He is our King of kings and Lord of lords. And He walks with us and He talks with us every day. And He is coming back and He will receive us unto Himself. It's sudden. It's also severe. It says He will pass away with a roar. Uh, the word in the, in the original language here is an onomatopoeia. It's a word that sounds like what it is. It almost sounds like Roar. It's going to be a swoosh all of a sudden. How will you know when the Lord has returned? What He is saying is, you'll know it. You'll know it. It'll be a sound that will roar. It, this world will begin to burn. God poured judgment out on the earth because of our sinfulness in an earlier time. And you and I know that is the great flood of Noah. When God says, in the wickedness of mankind... I, a holy God, must punish sin. Judgment must come upon sin. That is not a popular uh, way of thinking in our day. But it doesn't matter whether it's popular or not. If it's truth, we must hold on to it and cling to it. And we must warn people about it. Because there is a day coming. It will burn up. It won't be like the first. It won't be a flood of Water, it will be a furnace of fire, he says. And so the earth will be dissolved. It's also a revealing time, it exposes all the works that we have done. It'll bring everything to light, everything that's done in the darkness. Now, none of you have anything that you've ever done in the darkness, right? That nobody's ever seen, nobody knows about. But I dare say, if you've lived long enough, there'll be some things you just wish nobody really would know about. And yet, that's what God says is going to happen in that day. Now, the great news for a child of God, everything that you have done is under the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Your sins are forgiven. And they're cast as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. But everyone who's brought accusations against the saints of God and say, Well, you think you are so self-righteous, you think you are holier than I. And as I keep trying to remind you, true believers of of Jesus Christ are not self-righteous. And why do I say that? Because a true believer of Jesus Christ knows their righteousness comes from Christ alone. It's an imputed righteousness. It's given to us through faith alone and Christ alone. I don't have a righteousness of my own. My righteousness is like filthy rags. And a true believer of Jesus Christ knows where they stand. We are sinners, separated from God, dead in our trespasses and sins, who He has made alive by faith, according to His grace. And you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and He has given you His righteous robe, For you to wear. So that when God the Father looks at you, He views you through His Son, Jesus Christ. But there's a day coming when the world, who has said, Oh, all you, all you, you're not, you should be, every act that they have done will be exposed. And they'll know that they're guilty. They'll know that they stand before a holy God undone and naked. The scripture tells us, Jesus talking in Matthew 24, he says, Concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. In other words, life was just going on. Noah had preached for 120 years, warning, 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 and they totally ignored Noah. They were unaware, verse 39 says, until the flood came and slept them, swept them all away, and so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then later in verse 42, it says, You do not know what day your Lord is coming. Number four. In light of His sudden return, we are to live holy and godly lives. This is the message, I think, for the church. The church needs to understand in light of this truth, in light of this promise, in light of God's patience and His understanding and His grace and mercy to us, what should we do in response? He says we are to live holy lives. In First Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, remember, He says, be what? Holy, for I am holy. Live separated. That's what that word holy means. A separated life. A life unto Christ. Be different than everybody else. It's hard, kids, when mom and dad tell you. You're not supposed to be like everybody else. And when dad would say, remember whose name you are representing when you are out in the community. You know, he was talking about his. But remember whose name you and I are representing when we are walking in this world as followers of Christ. The name of Jesus goes with us, and are we are we bringing down the name of Christ? Are we impugning the name of Christ by our disobedience, by our breaking the Word of God, being disobedient to the call of Christ. Paul instructed young Timothy, uh, Titus, rather, who was a pastor on the island of Crete, and he said, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, teaching us, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And how are we to live then? Put off all of this, put on self-control, uprightness, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope. That's the coming of the Lord. Our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, as we wait for the Lord's return We shouldn't anticipate that, uh, you know, God's just gracious and He is kind. But remember that it is in the kindness of the Lord that He leads us to repentance. So number five, given the severity of His return, we should live anticipating and advancing it. His return. Notice what it says, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, knowing because of what is coming. Now it says waiting. It's, it's waiting with anticipation. It's, uh, it's not falling asleep. It, it has that expectation. I can remember when uh, my son was young, I'd take him and a friend or two of his out to watch a uh, Meteor Shower. You know, we'd go up on top of the mountain when we lived in uh, western Arkansas, and we'd be in the back of the bed of the pickup truck. And, you know, when's the peak of the meteor shower going to be? Well, it's going to be at 2 o'clock in the morning. Try keeping two or three boys awake at that time. The only way I found to do it was tell them scary stories, okay? (laughs) Keep them awake. Eventually, they would just fall asleep, and I'd have to nudge them. Wake up, guys. Here it comes. You know, and there they would just choo, 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 choo and watch it. You see, you have, to, you have to expect it. You have to be awake and watch for it. And God is calling for His children to watch and be aware. I, I wonder this past week if you were to actually, to be honest and say, how many times this, did this past week were you looking for and expecting the return of the Lord? Well, I was busy doing this, I was busy doing that, I was busy watching this, I was busy eating this. And you could think of all the things that were going on in your life and I dare say most of us did not think about it. I had the fortune of preparing the message, so I thought about it a lot. But the reality is God wants us to wake up every day with an anticipation. This might be the day. It would be a great day. For believers in Jesus Christ. Looking with expectation. Secondly here, he says hastening. It's speeding up. How do you speed up the return of the Lord? Well, I can't answer that for you. Except to maybe just share this one verse with you. Because I realize God is sovereign. He has set the time in his own mind and in his own heart and in his own soul. But notice what Matthew 24, Jesus speaking here in verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I love seeing our Brazilian family here with us who speak Portuguese so beautifully and Portuguese is maybe the most beautiful language I think on the planet it rivals with French in my mind okay but uh, you know we went down a mission trip down to uh, Colombia a few years ago and we were we went into Brazil I've been to Brazil what about two miles I think we went into Brazil and we went into Peru as well and we went about, what, mile into, we didn't even go a mile into Peru, did we? Okay, and we were in Colombia, we went a lot of miles in Colombia. But we were down there, and we were with an indigenous group. That means, far back as we can go, they've lived there. And uh, they spoke a, a different dialect, a different language, actually, than what was being spoken, and And they were hearing through their people who had come to faith in Jesus Christ, who spoke Spanish very well, they were hearing them share in their own language and in their own tongue and their own culture that Jesus Christ came and died on a cruel cross, was buried three days, rose again from the dead, and anyone who will call upon the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. This is the process. But there are thousands of people group around the planet who have yet to hear. They've yet to hear it in their own language. And there may be a young boy, a young girl, maybe an old man or an old woman. It may be Janet and me. You know, I can't speak the the English language very well. But God may call us to go to another place around the planet in order to speak the gospel to someone so that they may hear. And so you and I hasten the coming of the Lord. But there's a third thing that's here and that is repenting. There's repenting. That's how we hasten the coming of the Lord. That's how we live expectantly. By repenting. Repent therefore, Acts 3 says, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's what God is longing to do in the life of His people. And God is calling us to that. Lastly, His return will inaugurate a righteous eternity. Amen. There's a day when all this that you and I know, that's trials and tribulations and struggles and hardships, and misunderstandings and offending and having to forgive and hurting and being hurt, all that will be gone. It says, according to His promise, we're waiting for new. It's a new kind There are different words in the Greek text for new. And this one means a whole new kind. It's not like the old earth. It's not like this earth. It's going to be new. This one's pretty beautiful. That one's going to be better is what he's saying. And their righteousness lives. It dwells. In uh, Isaiah 65, 17, it says, "...for behold, I create new heavens and new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come into mind." There's a new, turn, there's a new uh, place coming, Revelation 21 says. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first earth and the first heaven, they passed away. The sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorning her husband. And there, verse 3 says, And the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. Now listen, that's a wonderful place. You could spend days talking about heaven, and it's a beautiful place that God has promised for his children, but the reality is there's only one way to get there, and that's through Jesus Christ through Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection. And it's not a hard thing, except that it is in the sense of, you've got to admit, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner that is incapable of redeeming myself, helping myself, bettering myself to get to heaven. It is a gift that comes from God, and it's got to be received by faith. As Revelation begins to close in verse 17 of chapter 22, it says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. He who hears, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price, come. You see, call, Christ calls you to come to Him and to be His child for here and for heaven, for now and for all eternity. He's paid the debt, and He asks you to come to Him by faith. So to prepare our hearts for receiving the Lord's table this morning, we're going to give an invitation. It is a time for God's people to say, Lord, I, my feet are dirty. My feet are dirty. I have sinned. And I come to you in acknowledgment of my sin and knowing that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, knowing that with repentance our intention is to obey what God has said, break from the sin that so troubles us. But as someone who's yet to come to Christ, this would be the day. We're going to stand together. I think uh, Josh is here. There you are. And we'll sing a song. It's a song of call to come to Christ. So as we stand together, uh, I'll be here at the front if you would like to come following Jesus today or maybe unite with Faith Family Fellowship. and you can be seated. We want to come to a time of taking of the Lord's Supper and uh, I know things are a little bit different still in that we have these pre-packaged little cups that uh, we are using just to keep us a little safe And, and so if you want to participate in the Lord's Supper, you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're part of His church, one of his followers, would you, would you go back and get one of these and uh, let me lead us through what Jesus did with his disciples and what Paul was instructed by the Lord to teach his church to do. For he says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night, and he was betrayed, he took bread, and it looked something like this. This is Matzah's bread. It's the Passover bread. He took it. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. And then he said, in the same way, he took this cup. And after the supper. And he said, uh, this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. And then he told us he united it with the second coming of Christ. Notice what he said. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus was telling his disciple, I'm coming back. He's telling you, me, I'm coming back. What kind of people ought we to be expecting his return? So let me lead us in prayer and then I'll Lead you to participate in the Lord's table. And Father, there's not one of us in here that's righteous in ourselves, Lord, for we are, we probably understand better than most on the planet. Like the Apostle Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. Lord, your Holy Spirit has revealed to us that we're dead without Christ. We're incapable of responding. And we are guilty. There's no excuse. There's no wiggling our way out of it. We deserve a sinner's eternal separation from a holy God because of our sin. But oh, in the grace of <laughs> Of God, you have sent your Son as the sacrifice required to forgive us of our sin. And you said, Whoever will come with a repentant mind and heart and place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will be made to become children of God. And Lord, that's what we celebrate in this Lord's table. But it's also a time to say, Lord, I've not been living that life of obedience in the way that would honor and please you. So, Lord, make me to be holy. Help me to be set apart by the Holy Spirit and by your word to re- live righteously and without blame. Before a world that needs to know that Jesus is real and so we ask your blessing on this bread and on this cup in the name of Jesus we pray amen and so on the night that he was betrayed he took the bread and if you will just peel that little cellophane part that's on the top back and there's a little wafer under there when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is given for you take and eat all of it you see as true believers in a sense we ingest Christ we take all of him in all of us it's not a half hearted commitment it's all the way and then of the cup and if you will take that little aluminum part and peel it back might need to help your neighbor if they need a little help okay (laughs) in the same way he also took the cup after supper and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me This is just a refresh reminder that we have received Christ, and He's our life. He's our sustenance. He's our hope. He's our help. He is all in, in all for every believer. Uh, as I said, we have a special call business meeting next Sunday. Uh, it's in regards to selling our furthest, most east property here. Uh, we have a Q&A time immediately after the service. Uh, those of you that are guests, uh, you, you want to get out of here, I know. And if you've got kids, maybe not all of you want to stay. Uh, all of you are welcome to stay, uh, but if you would like to come back and we'll kind of explain to you. Uh, we have been offered, we weren't actively seeking to sell it, but we've been offered $450,000 for that. We have a lot of needs, both uh, here on the campus as well as ministry needs, that, that would help us greatly with, and uh, and so uh, we as a church body will have to vote on it. We'll vote on that on the 20th, and uh, it'll be just a yes or no vote for it. And then uh, the following week, we have our, our quarterly business meeting, uh, which will be to approve our budget. So I thank you for being here. I hope it's been a blessing to you. God bless you, and you're dismissed unless you want to come.